Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rhodes? Well, we're going, we don't need Rhodes. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. No, I am your father. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to another episode of After the Ending. This is episode six. We've got a couple of exciting movies in store for you. I'm Mike Spring and with me is... Phil Edwards, live from the UK. All right. How's it going, Phil? It's going well. Going good. Very good. Warming up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's always a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah. How's it, how's it over there? Things are good on this side of the pond, so no complaints from my end. Good to hear. Yeah. So, Phil, tell us what uh, movies we're going to be talking about tonight. Okay, tonight we're going to be talking about the 1983 classic War Games. But first of all, we'll be looking at Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights. That's from 1997, and it uh, delves into the world of porn. Yes, which should be quite interesting on a yes. uh, PG-rated podcast to, uh, yeah. to talk about this film. So we'll, uh, we'll see how, uh, how we do keeping it clean. I think we'll do okay. I think so. All right. So, um, oh, before we get started, I do want to mention that uh, After the Ending is supporting a charity. So friend of the show, Mike Nichter, is a big supporter of the JDRF. That's the Junior Diabetes Research Fund. And, uh, of course, we're big supporters of it as well. And so we wanted to mention Mike and his son Aiden's charity, which is Aiden's A-Team. Um, and uh, you can find them on Facebook, Aiden's A-Team. Do a search for it. It's the JDRF uh, charity. Um, their hashtag they use is 5005. That's they're trying to raise 5000 $5 pledges to support uh, the JDRF. And um, basically, you know, they're trying to raise awareness and raise money for junior diabetes research. And the great thing is if you can spare a few bucks, you can go onto their page on Facebook. You can click on the link and donate directly through there. But if you can't spare a few bucks, that's totally fine too. Just going on and liking their page or sharing their page would be a big help as well because as we all know, getting the word out is really one of the most important things. And the more people who see the charity, the more opportunities they have to raise money for what, what we think is a very worthy the cause right phil certainly is yeah give generously if you can but as mike already said if you can like and share the facebook page that would be awesome that's right. So I uh, just wanted to mention that. Uh, and uh, and our friend, uh, Mr. Nickter's name might come up again a little bit at the end of the episode. We'll, we'll see what happens there. So, uh, All right. So Boogie Nights, you ready for this, Phil? I'm good to go. Okay. So uh, strap in, folks. I tried to keep this synopsis as brief as possible, but it is a long movie and a lot goes on. It certainly is. We just need a little bit of porn music now, like bum, chicka, bum, wow. <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do in the edit. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So here we go. 1977, I feel like Sophia in uh, in The Golden Girls. Picture this, California, <laughs> 1977. Well, I'm, sh I'm sure Blanche would have a whole story for that would fit into Boogie Nights. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, so Eddie Adams is a high school dropout with a crappy home life. Sorry, can I can I just say how cut and edgy we when we're referencing the Golden Girls? <laughs> yeah, we are right on the. You know, listen, yeah. our pop culture references. You know, we like to keep them with at least within the last thirty years. I mean, you know, yeah. that's kind of our standby. You know, there you uh, go. Be <laughs> Arthur, Star Wars holiday special classic. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, we should do an after the ending for the Star Wars holiday special. Oh, that would be a, maybe for our Christmas episode. We'll do that. Oh, that could be good. Yeah. All right. You heard it here first, folks. Okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, so 1977, California, a young man named Eddie Adams, played by Mark Wahlberg, is a high school dropout with a crappy home life. Uh, one night, he meets porn filmmaker Jack Horner, 
who is played by Burt Reynolds. He takes a liking to him and auditions him for his porn films. Uh, he he likes him. They hit it off. So Eddie moves in with Jack Horner and his girlfriend Amber Waves, who is a porn star played by uh, Julianne Moore. And uh, he takes on the screen name Dirk Diggler. It's a great name. I always love that name. Yes, probably one of the most famous character names in Hollywood history. Uh, along the way, um, he becomes a star by starring in action-themed porn films with his friend Reed Rothschild, who is played by John C. Riley. Uh, which, which in retrospect, I have to say, the idea of John C. Riley as a porn star is mildly terrifying. <laughs> but you know, we'll, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll let that slide for now, I guess. Uh, we also meet other characters like Roller Girl, who's played by Heather Graham, uh, Buck Swope, who is played by Don Cheadle, uh, Jesse St. Vincent, and a whole host of other characters. Things are going swimmingly until Dirk tries cocaine at a New Year's party on the eve of 1980, and an assistant director named Little Bill Thompson, who is played by William H. Macy, uh, finds his porn star wife being unfaithful with uh, another man, and he shoots them and then kills himself. Uh, this is the start of sort of a dark period in Dirk's life. Uh, over the next few years, things go downhill. Uh, Dirk starts using drugs regularly. He gets fired from Jack's porn stable. Uh, he tries to start a singing career and fails. And basically things are not going well for him. While Jack's films start to go down in quality as the porn industry is suffering from the onset of video, um, Dirk finds himself out on the streets working as a gay hustler, uh, and he gets robbed by three of his uh, customers, and uh, so he is kind of desperate. He decides to rob his drug dealer with Reed, but that goes south, and uh, after this, with his personal life and his emotions shattered, he reconciles with Jack uh, and and goes back into working in porn with him. And as the film ends, Buck Swope and Jesse St. James, who have gotten married, they have a child. Buck opens an electronics store. Uh, Amber Waves tries to break into mainstream acting by doing the commercial for Buck's electronics store. Uh, Roller Girl goes back to school. Uh, Reed starts practicing magic in a topless bar. And Dirk returns to filming porn for Jack. And the end. Woo! Yeah, that's it. That's a lot. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, though, it's got such a great cast. Paul Thomas Anderson put together some amazing actors in this one. Yeah, he really did. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's a film I, I love deeply. Um, I'm a big fan of it. I love the cast. I love the script. I love the, the filmmaking. It's, it's probably my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film, and I have a very love hate relationship with, Tom, yeah, with Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson. But, but I do think that, that Boogie Nights is definitely one of the, the greatest films of its decade for sure. Well. Well, it gets me. You mentioned you've already mentioned the main ones, but there's also the likes of Philip Seymour Hoffman, Philip Baker Hall, Louise Guzman, uh, Alfred Molina, Robert Downey Sr. Just yeah, oh, so many people. It's like Amazing. a character actor heaven, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, Phil, take us through your day after. Well, at the, the way it ends for lots of them, it's all it's all quite low key. They're just moving on with their life. So, the day after is going to be the same. Books working on getting his uh, stereo shop up and running, trying to get customers in. Dirk and Amber still doing the porn. Sorry, I keep mentioning this because they have like porn names as well as character names. Right. might get a bit confusing, so. but we'll see. Hey, Roller, Girl, Roller Girl's in school. She's going to try and study him. Jack's still making porn, but he wants to move out of it. He's thinking about getting into producing. Reed's doing his magic. And day by day, it just keeps rolling on. Dirk's trying to make sure... He stays away from the drugs and he's still in porn. So at the minute, nothing much has changed over the next uh, the next few days after the end of the film. Yeah, this was a tricky one for a day after because it's not like the film ends on like a certain 
day or yeah. a certain event. Yeah. It's sort of scattered. So it, it took me some some doing. But here's what I came up with. So um, the next day, they're they're filming the the movie that Dirk is you know on the set of at the end of the film, and uh, Jack has a heart attack and ends up in the hospital. And since he's unable to finish making the film, Dirk takes over the directing duties. Uh, meanwhile, Buck's electronics store opens and he starts doing pretty well for himself. Amber st- starts to film some other local commercials uh, and Roller Girl stays in school, occasionally having a hard time when the uh, fellow students recognize her. Uh, but she does also manage to get all A's because she's not above offering her teachers some, shall we say, rewards in exchange for good <laughs> grades when she's struggling. So uh, so there we go. That's about okay. as, as uh, R-rated as we're going to get, hopefully, in this episode. But uh, – <laughs> All right, so there we go. What about your immediate <laughs> aftermath, Phil? Okay, immediate aftermath. Books, uh, stereo shop. He does well. He ends up uh, getting enough together to try and start looking at opening another store at some point. Things are looking up for him and his family. Amber, that's Julianne Moore's character, she she quits the drugs and decides to uh, try not to do any more porn at all. And on the back of the TV commercial she shot for the stereo show, she gets more ad work and starts making more mainstream connections. Jack moves into producing and he also starts moving away from porn because he realizes the video thing is just it's it's it hasn't got the the draw it once had for him so he's they're all sorts of trying moving away from where they came from but really uh reed follows book's example uh, and gets a job in a magic store and begins saving with the aim of trying to get his own shop up and running uh, roller girl works hard as you say she has a few running with people who saw her in the porn films which handles it well keeps it on the down low and she ends up coming out to college with a uh, like a degree in psychology. Wow, a psychology degree, huh? Yes, yes. All right. She wasn't. She was shooting high. I see. Yeah, well, that's the way she. She's met loads of uh, messed up people. Right. Dirk, though, he's still sort of stuck in the porn thing. But it's he was doing the low budget action porn. He's still doing that. But then he tries to diversify. But starts doing some low budget action films with no porn. He's not the main star or anything. But he starts off just being. Uh, like henchman number two or SWAT team member number one. Right. But again, he starts starts just dragging himself, you know, somewhere else, somewhere different. Uh, But uh, lots of the other characters that uh, you saw in the film, uh, they didn't get away from the world of porn or they end up getting lost in drugs. So their story just sort of carries on as it did in the film. That makes sense. There's a lot of characters to get through. Yeah, yeah. We could be here all night if we we went for every (laughs) single one of them. All right, great. So for my immediate aftermath, um, some similar some similarities there actually. Um, so what I think is Dirk, uh, you know, keeps starring in the, some porn films for a while, but he also starts directing them all. He directs and stars in his own films because he got a taste of it on that that film when Jack had the heart attack, and and he liked it. I like that idea of him directing. That's 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 a good way to go. Yeah, I think I think it fits I like him. That. I think so. Uh, and Jack, he he's happy about this because, like you said, he wants to get out of directing, so he moves into producing. And Dirk uh, basically kind of forms like a subsidiary company uh, where Jack produces and Dirk directs, and it gives uh, Dirk uh, more creative control over his films. Um, and so uh, he starts to move into the video world because they see the writing on the wall that you know this is really where the the future of it is going. And so uh, Dirk uh, directs, writes, and stars in a film called E E T, the Extra Endowed Terrestrial. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it goes on to become the biggest selling video of the year. Uh, and he basically regains his status as like the top porn star because uh, this is, you know, right after E.T. came yeah. out. So yeah. uh, it was a big, you know, it was one of the very first, you know, sort of parody, porn parodies, if you will. So, OK, um, if, if that porn parody doesn't actually exist, if somebody doesn't end up making it, 
we we, we want to find his fee. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think I think that's a pretty good one. We should. Uh, yeah, I don't really want to get into the porn directing no, or producing no, no. business, but I wouldn't mind getting the cut <laughs> if somebody is uh, going to do that. So anyway, uh, a few years later, though, his recording of The Touch gets used in uh, 1986's animated classic uh, Transformers the movie and becomes a minor hit. So he becomes a little bit of like a, a multi-hyphenate, if you will. Okay. Meanwhile, it's so, Bucket- it's so crazy, though, that Mark Wahlberg is actually in Transformers films now after doing The Touch in Boogie Nights. Right. Crazy. Right, it is funny what a, a weird confluence of events that is. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Buck and Jesse continue to do well with their store and their kid. A roller girl finishes college with a degree, uh, but Amber Amber starts to feel ill uh, and ends up at the hospital, and we'll go into that a little bit okay. more in a moment. Sounds ominous. A little bit. I'm, I'm not going to lie. So go ahead. Give me your give me your long term, Phil. Okay, long term. Buck's being quite successful. He's got a chain of stores. And he always makes sure he stays ahead of the game. He's seen what happened to the porn business when video came out and how one thing fell away. And then you have DVDs and time moves on, Blu-rays, things. He always sees the change and like from vinyl to CDs and what have you. And then the internet came along and screwed everything for everyone. Yep. <laughs> so he always makes sure he doesn't put all his eggs in one basket. And he's basically got a good business head and he, he makes a good living out of it. He's He has a good ending and he, he lives a nice, happy life. Very good. He, I think he, I think he deserves it. He was a good character. Yeah, yeah, really good. And it, it's good how he got the money though for the, uh, the, the initial financing and that yeah. out in the uh, in the diner. That's just you did because you thought it was going to go a totally different way. Yeah, I tried to fit that in my synopsis, but there there just wasn't oh, no. room for all, the, all the details. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Amber, she's made lots of connections. She's uh, she's become a casting agent. Yeah. She gets on well with the people and the actors and the actresses all trust her because she's she's seen she's worked in all aspects of film. You know, from she's from the lowest of the low to other things like that. She's she's seen it all pretty much. So she knows she knows she has a good empathy with her clients, and she's she's doing okay. Let's see. Reed Reed comes up with a, a totally original magic trick nobody's seen before. He develops it and sells it to a, a big time magician, and moves to Vegas because mm-hmm. the magician wants him to build other other tricks and things like this. But Reed, being Reed, he ends up messing up after a few months and goes <laughs> home. But he still has quite a bit of cash from the initial sell, from the uh, the patent for the magic trick. That keeps trickling in every now and again, and he just he just muddles through. He's he goes back to working in the magic store because he loves magic. That's just his life, basically. There, he's just just on an even keel. Sure, just just doing magic. Yeah. Uh, what have we got? Jack ends up going more and more into producing. Ends up working on a, producing a TV show. Well, various TV shows, but the one that that makes a name for him is a drama set in the world of porn. It does well. It's a bit edgy and ends up winning winning a few Emmys. Mm-hmm. So he's again. He's he's no longer doing porn itself, but that's been a big influence on his life. Sure, and he he gets up there. He's never going to be one of the the huge big movie producers, but he makes a name for himself, and he just he's quite happy as well with his life. And he ends up having a heart attack while playing golf, and dies. But he was surrounded by a couple of good friends, and he had a good life, and he was uh, he was at peace. There you go. Yeah, just through that came up. His death came up there suddenly, but yeah, there we go. <laughs> Roller Girl, she ends up becoming a psychiatrist. As I've already said, she's seen some weird stuff over the years. She's met some strange people. She sees what she knows what makes people tick. She knows how to talk about it, make people feel, you know, see the see the positive no matter what the situation. She has a unique perspective on things in the world of uh, psychiatry, and she only ever roller skates now on the weekend. But <laughs> yeah. but again, she makes a good career. Not none of them really make big names themselves but in their own shows and career where they are now they do they do okay right just like uh, most people you know yeah exactly they just move on it's just like normal people who've had some crazy experiences in the time but they just keep on moving forward right dick diggler 
he makes a living as a working actor. He eventually moves out of porn for good. He still never gets the big parts. He's he, he has another successful career. He's moved up. He actually hit the characters he plays now have names, which is a big deal for him. Absolutely. Uh, but eventually, as the years go by, his early work is rediscovered, and it uh, gives him a certain amount of uh, notoriety or celebrity. And he ends up uh, going on a couple of chat shows. He becomes like almost like a Ron Jeremy kind of figure now, where it's, it's almost the mainstream have accepted him. Right. The, uh, he gets he does some he gets the lead role in a few low budget movies. Does a few talk shows, things like that. And again, he has a good life. He ends up meeting a, a woman, fall in love. Never has any kids, but he's, he's happy where he's been. And uh, that's that's the end of it, really. All right. Yeah, but like like the film itself, there's no actual particular definite ending. It just carries on, carries on. Yeah, goes. that's very fitting, I think, for this film because it's really sort of a, it's kind of like a slice of life film, but the one that happens to be set in a drug fueled porn industry. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's a little more than that, but it is kind of, you know, it's not a film about crazy action sequences or laugh out loud comedy. It's just about these people and their lives, you know, that yeah. just happen to work in the, the porn industry. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Oh, one other thing as well Amber, Julie Moore's character, she ends up getting to see, because she's having problems with custody of a kid, she ends up getting to see her kids and builds a relationship with them, starts building a tr- trust and bridges with them, and gets gets to spend time with the children. Oh, that's good. That's much better than what happens to her in my ending. Oh, okay. I'm ready. <laughs> now, and I'm not making light of this. This is actually, this was me oh, definitely, yeah. uh, looking at what was a realistic ending for these people. And it dawns on me that, that somebody in that film was probably going to contract HIV. Yeah. Um, and so, because this was the early 80s, they weren't using protection. HIV was still a new thing that most people didn't know about. So Amber uh, is sick. It turns out that she is one of the first porn stars diagnosed with HIV. Uh, and a few months later, uh, she passes away, unfortunately. Um, but this... This affects Dirk heavily. You know, they stayed close and he uh, he really is upset by her death. And so he quits acting in porn films, but he continues directing. But he enacts uh, strict safety and testing measures on his films and basically starts to, you know, kind of revolutionize the, the porn industry in terms of safety for the actors. So that's that's a good thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Roller Girl, um, you know, uh, she has her degree now, so she takes a job in marketing because nobody there cares about her past at all because there's a lot of sleazy people in, <laughs> in the marketing world. <laughs> so she does just fine for herself. Um, things basically, like, like what you said, they continue on fairly status quo for a decade or so, but... As the internet dawns in the mid-90s, moving into like the late 90s, they all find themselves affected. Uh, Buck's store goes under uh, due to growing competition from the big box stores and retailers like Amazon.com. And, uh, you know, Dirk's production company sees a downward turn in revenues because of all the online porn. Um, Now, Reed, he left the porn game long behind, but he has become a a renowned magician, much like David Copperfield or somebody like that. So he's probably in Vegas, actually, doing like you. But I think in in here he's performing, you know, probably has like a residency in in Vegas, does pretty well for himself. But even he starts to feel the crunch because, you know, as the Internet comes along, you know, things like magic. The Internet changed so many things for so many people. Yeah, it really did. So everyone's sort of affected by this, by the Internet coming along. Um, But, you know, Dirk, he's no fool at this point. So with the writing on the wall, he contacts Buck, who, like you said, is always on the cutting edge of things. And he's used his time at the electronics store to stay on the cutting edge of computers. Uh, And so they get an investment from Reed and the three of them form the world's first internet porn company. uh, And it's called BoogieNights.com. Oh, nice. Um, And they go on to become billionaires several times over. Oh, okay. (laughs) Because they were pioneers in, in porn online. So... 
they all live pretty happily ever after. So it was a sad ending, but a, a good ending. Yeah, they kind of yeah. turned it all around, you know? No, I like I like your ending as well. Thank you. Well, also had a, one of our listeners, Pete, who uh, he knew we were doing this film. He, he sent me a message about what he thought about oh, yes. what happened Can't to, wait to, hear it. to Dirk and also to Roller Girl. He said, Dirk ends up going into business importing cheap STD and AIDS medication, sort of like Dallas Buyers Club. Gotcha. Uh, but he's brought down by the FBI. Uh, the press get hold of the story, and public opinion calls for him to be pardoned. And also, he, uh, an idea he had for Roller Girl. She ends up opening a chain of roller discos, gets into martial arts, and films a stage version of Fist of Fury on rollerblades. Wow. Which I quite like that. I like that a lot. I like both of them, yeah. That's great. <laughs> Wow. So thanks, Pete. Yes, thank you, Pete, for sending that in. We appreciate it. We always want to hear after the endings from our listeners. So if you have any, um, drop us some comments on Facebook. I'll give you all the deets, as they say, on that uh, at the end of the episode. Phil, anything else you want to say about Boogie Nights before we move on to War Games? Uh, well, I think, as you said at the start, it's one of Paul Thomas Anderson's best films. And it's an amazing cast. And it was uh, it was good to watch it again. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, real, real quickly, where where do you fall on on Paul Thomas Anderson? What's your uh, what's your Paul Thomas your PTA fandom like? Uh, well, I I quite like most of his films. I'm trying to think. Inherent Vice because that got a bit of bad press when that came out. That was his most recent one, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And I really enjoyed that. That's interesting. Because did you not like it? I would say it probably makes the Big Lebowski look like Casablanca, in my opinion. I was going to say yeah, because it's there, there were similarities <laughs> to the Big Lebowski with the characters. Yeah, it's. Things, but... I think when I reviewed it on the website, I actually called it one of the worst films ever made. Oh, but I, no, yeah. I, I quite like because I'd had all the bad reviews first, so maybe whenever you hear bad yeah, reviews, maybe, you see, maybe you, that you softens going, the yeah, blow. Yeah. And I also am not a big fan of the master. I found that uh, interminably boring, interminably boring. Although I do think that Joaquin Phoenix should have won an Academy Award for his performance in the master because he was phenomenal in that. To be honest, I've not seen that, even though I, I do on the Blu-ray, but I have yet to watch it. Well, it's it's a slog. It's one of those I keep meaning to watch and then go, uh, no, I don't know why. Yeah. Here's the thing for that film for me is watching it for Joaquin Phoenix, the way he transforms his body. I'm a big fan of physical acting I've learned in recent years. When I see actors who can like just change the way they move completely, I, I find that fascinating. And Joaquin Phoenix has this whole posture thing going on in The Master, which I found utterly fascinating. I think his performance is, is just unbelievable. But the movie itself is horribly boring. So Okay. Uh, well, I'm, I must watch <laughs> it. I need to watch it. But yeah. I do think uh, – as well as Boogie Nights, I, th I thought Magnolia was brilliant. That was an amazing film. Yes, I love Magnolia. And that's what that's what kills me is, you know, so Paul Thomas Anderson did Boogie Nights, and then he did Magnolia and Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, which I, I also enjoyed that one as well. Absolutely. And then he did um, uh, There Will Be Blood, which I know people have problems with, but I really love that movie. Uh, I, I It's a very very good film. I do like that one as well. It, it is. It's. I know some people think it's boring, and I guess that's how I feel about The Master, but I love I loved There Will Be Blood. And then... He hit me with the one-two whammy of the master and inherent vice, and now I'm like, I I don't even know. Do I am I a Paul Thomas Anderson fan? I I don't know anymore. You know, well, it's well, like actually looking at this films he's done, and I've not seen the master or Hard Eight, so I but I've liked all the other ones I've seen. So I I, I have now worked out through a process of elimination that I am a Paul Thomas Anderson fan. <laughs> all right, good good. <laughs> I'm a I'm a, I guess I'm an early career Paul Thomas Anderson, at least up to 2008 when There Will Be Blood came out. So I, you know we'll have to see what he does next. But I hope he can. Get back into making films that I like because I just really haven't cared for his last couple. So we'll, <laughs> well see. Uh, what's interesting about Boogie Nights, though, as well, was uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was uh, considered for the role of Eddie Adams, but was replaced by Wahlberg. And also there's all, all those stories that came about about Burt Reynolds absolutely hating the film. 
even though he was nominated for Best Supporting yeah, Actress. Yeah, yeah and then he is, won a slew of awards. Yeah, but yeah, it's crazy that he was he hated the film. Yeah, and he he was so good in it. Yeah, apparently, I mean, rumor has it that the the Hollywood lore goes that he fired his agent when he saw the the rough cut of the film. Yeah, because his yeah. agent had told him to t- take the part. But then he actually won, I think. Over 10 awards from various critic circles. I mean, he won the Golden Globe. He didn't win the, the Oscar, but he was nominated. But then he also won yeah. from, I think, 10 or 12 other major film critics and, and, and you know, major award ceremonies. So, you know, I always wonder, did that did the agent get his job back? I don't know, but I'm sure there was an interview over the past few months. It was, over, it was Bert Reynolds was doing some talking. I'm sure he mentioned about, he was talking about the film. And he said he's going back to it now. He doesn't hate the film. Really, as much as he did. Well, that's, he, he, that's something. He, he does appreciate what, what it did for him. Right, sure. Yeah, he's, he's the, got the to. And things, so. so I think he's uh, he's softened to it over the years. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I would hope so, considering you know how well yeah. received it was. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> you can't like everything. Of course. All right. So that was our take on Boogie Nights. And uh, let's move on then to War Games. Phil, tell us a little bit about War Games. Yeah. Would you like to play a game? <laughs> yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> Okay, uh, War Games, 1983 film, directed by John Badham, stars Matthew Broderick, Ali Sheedy, John Wood, and Dabney Coleman. I love Dabney Coleman. I do too. Uh, he's yeah. he's a great. Yeah, it's. I remember seeing this film as a kid and loved it from then, and I still love it now. Yeah, um, and uh, Dabney Coleman was in a lot of films I loved as a kid, and I, I I tend to think of him as an actor from that that time period. You know, in a lot of films I love, but I, I've seen him I, recently. I watched him in a couple of movies over the span of a couple of days, more recent things. Yeah. And um, I was floored by, like, what a great actor he really is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of easy to overlook because he's sort of a character actor and he, he did a lot yeah. of comedies for a while. But when you see him in some dramatic roles, he's really a terrific actor. That's the thing with really good actors like that. So people who aren't maybe the the huge, the main, the main roles, but the, the good supporting actors, they do they can do amazing work and they just do it so well you don't notice it it's, that's exactly yeah. it yeah so it's nice when i when you realize that sometimes you're like wow it's, it's you know it's a nice surprise when somebody who you know is a good actor you're like wow they're really a great actor you know yeah yeah but with war games though there was uh, a director dvd film called war games the dead code in 2008 but it's basically just a similar kind of plot and has no relation to the, this film so it's okay. We can cover it in the after the ending. That's right. We're not breaking our rules because uh, that doesn't yes. count. It was uh, I have actually seen that one, uh, the sequel, and, or if you you know the whatever you want to call it, the reboot. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's not terrible for a direct to video film, but it's not it's not worth going out of your way for either. You know. Yeah, you've really got to change it up a bit if you were going to do something this day and age for war games. Yeah, it really, and it also it has no no relation whatsoever to the original war games. So so war games. Uh, due to Air Force staff not being willing to launch a nuclear strike when the order comes through, control is given over to a NORAD supercomputer called WOPR, W-O-P-R, War Operation Plan Response. Uh, WOPR is set to constantly run military simulations and learn over time the best way to deal with them. Meanwhile, David Lightman, a uh, high school student played by Matthew Broderick, is a hacker, and because it's 1983, it's using the phone, dial-up connections, all really cool retro kind of stuff. Uh, he gets uh, friendly with uh, Jennifer Mack, played by Ali Sheedy, and shows her that he can hack into the school. He changes his grades and also changes hers. She gets a bit upset, but that's the, that's the way it goes. He uh, then reads about a new set of computer games and sets his computer to call every number in Sunnyvale, California. In the process, he comes across a computer with no ID that contains many different games, uh, from the basics like chess to ones called Falcon's Maze and Global Thermonuclear War. His interest is peaked, so he... He works hard to try and get access to it, uh, but he's he's stumped a bit. So seeking some advice from some fellow hackers and computer experts, uh, he tries to find a backdoor password, and re- he researches 
the Falcon mentioned in Falcon's Maze, because that stands out from all the other ones. That leads into Stephen Falcon, who researched AI, and the name of Falcon's dead son is Joshua. And bingo, that's the password he needed. So he gets in, and he asks the, this new computer to play a game. Turns out it's it's Whopper at NORAD. And so Whopper starts a, stim, a simulation of global thermonuclear war, and NORAD think there's an actual attack coming from the Soviet uh, Union. And we move towards World War Three. So it's it's quite serious. Yes, I would think so. <laughs> David uh, ends up watching on the news and finds out that there's been some kind of shenanigans going on with computers and the government and realises it's him just as the FBI turn up and arrest him. He's taken to NORAD, he ends up escaping, meets up with Jennifer, and then they meet up with Stephen Falcon, have a chat with him, but tell him what's going on, and they all return to NORAD to try and stop Joshua, which is basically the name of the supercomputer. Joshua stages a massive Soviet strike to make Norad retaliate. David, Falcon and Jennifer convince the military not to do it. Uh, Joshua's not happy about that. So he attempts to launch the American nukes himself. But uh, Falcon and David get the computer to play tic-tac-toe against itself, which teaches Joshua the concept of a no-win scenario. Joshua concludes that nuclear war is a strange game and the only winning move is not to play. And then he asks if they want to play chess. And then that's the end of the movie. So I think I think I covered everything there, didn't I, Mike? Yeah, definitely. I, I, in two things I want to point out before I get into the endings, though. Um, one, you have to question how good of a, a computer scientist Falcon is when he uses the name of his son <laughs> yeah. as a password. Yeah, I always thought that. Yeah. So that's like your number one yeah. no-no, you know. Two, you know that War Games is a great film, and I know that War Games is a great film. But when you describe the plot out loud as opposed to watching <laughs> it, it sounds kind of ridiculous. Yeah, get them to play tic-tac-toe. You're like, and then they play tic-tac-toe with the supercomputer. Yeah. And you're like, and this is the climax of the movie. And it's like, wow, really? But it's a it great film. Really good. I, actually, I should... <laughs> it just doesn't sound great when you describe it. I've, I've not watched it with my daughter yet. She, I mean, she's nine, so... You'll have to sit and watch it with Hannah and see what she thinks of it because right. she's now, when we're watching films, certain older films with the special effects, she goes, that looks really bad. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what she thinks of that one. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, so Mike, what did you see happening the day after the end of War Games? All right, well, the day after, uh, David and Jennifer are held prisoner by the government because even though they helped avert nuclear war, uh, David's in big trouble for hacking the government's <laughs> computers in the first place. Yeah. You know, they're not going to just let him go. Uh, you know, after it caused all this trouble. Uh, NORAD also t- takes Joshua offline completely, which is a good idea. Yeah. Um, they, they also hold Falcon for a little bit. When they realize he wasn't involved in the initial attack, uh, they do let him go. So he goes to David's and Jennifer's parents and tells them what's going on. And that's where we where we end for now. Okay, yeah, mine's uh, pretty much the same. Uh, the military reviewing their systems and security, David and Jennifer, with uh, a question, David in particular, because he was the one who was doing all the hacking. They also question Falcon up with his connection with the computer and Norad anyway. They believe Falcon's word more and he puts a good word in for David. And eventually David will get punished. It'll probably be a commuted jail sentence or something like that. With his friendship with Falcon and the fact he helped save the world, eventually we'll see him right. Uh, meanwhile, Joshua, th- yeah, they don't, take, they don't take him offline, but they just they put in uh, a lot more safety measures to make sure it can't happen again. Mm. And to be, to be honest, Joshua doesn't really want after what he's gone through. Joshua's been learning. And he, I think Joshua, the, the supercomputer, has got a, some kind of spark is starting. Right. And he's, I think he's more curious with humanity. 
and doesn't want to say it's snuffed out anymore. Hmm. I'm interested to see where you take this. This, this should be interesting. Mm. Uh, if, if I know yeah. you, and I think I do, some, that's not going to be the end of that. So, <laughs> um, All right. Okay, then, Mike. So what do you see with the immediate aftermath? Okay, so basically um, David's parents are getting nowhere with the government. They uh, The government decides to let Jennifer go because they realize she was you know, really more of kind of a – an innocent accomplice, if you will, rather than an actual accomplice. Yeah. So they let her go, but they won't let David go because they, they want to prosecute him um, because, you know, he caused a lot of trouble. So David's parents go to the press and uh, the news people get a hold of the story and it turns into an international news sensation. And David becomes basically kind of a cause celeb, you know, where everyone starts pressuring the government to let him go, yeah. you know, and uh, but they're like, well, you know, he almost caused World War Three, but the press and, and the parents spin it like that David basically found this huge flaw in Whopper and that even though it was, uh, you know, dangerous, he actually saved the world because if he hadn't been there to expose this flaw yeah. and and know what was going on, they might never have found it and it would have actually caused World War Three. So uh, under – Excellent point. Yeah, you know, uh, I think that's you know, reasonable, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so under intense pressure from the worldwide media and people in general, uh, the president decides to give David a pardon and they, they do let him go. But they tell him if he ever gets near a computer ever again, and they will lock him up and throw away the key. Okay. So, yeah. Well, mine's, mine's a bit similar, but then a bit different. I've got it where David, he's prosecuted, as I say, but because you mentioned it as well, he'd found a flaw, and also he'd be so good with the computers, and Falcon saw a lot into him as well. The military basically ends up wanting David to work for them. He ends up working with, with the military and with Falcon. So he's he's basically, he's punished by the military, but pretty much been word only. They realise he's a valuable asset. What he did... It was really, really bad and could have destroyed the world, but he showed he showed a major weakness, but he also helped solve the problem, got it all sorted. So they basically recruit him, and he works closely with Falcon, who sort of comes back into the fold because he's he's seen developments with uh, Joshua and Whopper that he uh, he didn't think would, would happen. Uh, David and Jennifer still keep in touch. They grow close. A uh, relationship blossoms between them, but it's it's never going to be anything too serious, even though they just, they're just always going to be close friends. Uh, Falcon, though, spends more time talking to Joshua, more and more. He determines it's on the cusp of becoming self-aware, almost. It's it's still a while to go, but it's it's in developing in ways which he, he never dreamed possible and he finds difficult to understand in some cases. He also finds out, though, that Joshua's been protecting itself, ordering other servers that are better protected in, in other locations, but Falcon feels like this is his... It's his baby. He wants to he wants to keep this, so he doesn't notify anybody else about this. So that's uh, that's where we are with this at the moment. Uh-huh, very interesting. I knew you were going somewhere with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So. What about the long term? All right. So the long term. Well, David becomes uh, jaded from his experience. You know, even though he, you know, kind of helped save the world, the government persecuting him really uh, turns him. It's a sour note for him. And so he, as teenagers often do, he becomes very moody and sullen and withdrawn. And he turns away from Jennifer. He shuts out his parents. He shuts out Doctor Falcon and basically becomes like a, a you know a hooded sweatshirt wearing loner. Okay. Um, and you know he he gets through the rest of high school, um, but he uh, he does manage to get a scholarship to MIT, uh, even though he can't work on the computers there. <laughs> they they have kind of decided that he still has a brilliant mind, so he gets to go to MIT. So when he gets to MIT, he sort of finds himself, and he's in this culture surrounded by people who are like him. 
So he decides to surreptitiously start working with computers again, uh, and he um, he sort of creates a, an anonymous avatar for himself, and he adopts the uh, the Guy Fox mask as his avatar. Oh, and nice. um, and so while he's there, he meets up with a bunch of like minded people, and they include Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie from Hackers, <laughs> uh, Hugh Jackman from Swordfish, uh, Elizabeth Salander from The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh, Justin Long from Die Hard Four, and uh, his professors oh. Robert Redford and. Dan Aykroyd from Sneakers, oh, uh, as well as um, Simon Pegg from the Mission Impossible movies. And uh, oh, and also, oh, that is awesome. thank you. Also, um, Kevin Flynn, that would be Jeff Bridges from Tron, and uh, yeah, yeah. and of course, Michael Bolton from Office Space, not the singer Michael Bolton, the character <laughs> Michael Bolton. So, so these guys all come together in sort of a group, and they decide to basically take on the powers that be, and they form a an activist computer uh, hacking group, a hacktivist group called Anonymous. Brilliant. And uh, Around 2004, as a matter of fact, and they start wreaking havoc on the world at large. So there you go. That's the long term for me. Oh, I really like that. Thank you. That's really good. Thanks. I had a little fun with that. I was, uh, you know, I thought uh, I was like, what other good hacker movies, you know, were, were out there? So yeah, it's it's funny. I almost got Kevin Flynn involved in, in oh, where, yeah. I was, where I was going, but I just I couldn't I couldn't link it up. Right. But no, I like that. Get getting all the uh, the movie computer. Hackers, that's really good. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, a lot of actually, what's interesting <laughs> too is a lot of the time periods of the movies um, actually worked out to when it, if you yeah. followed this to the logical course, like I could almost put all of them reasonably on that campus at the same time with their ages and everything without any stretching at all. One or two exceptions, but I could actually get yeah. them all there at the same time, which I think is kind of interesting. Oh, that's nice. That, that, would, that would have been a hell of a sequel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably a little expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all right, what about you, Phil? How's your long-term end? Okay, well, I've got the long-term. I've got David's thirst for knowledge. He becomes consumed. He's, he's, he's really, because he loves, he loves this world of computers and technology. His relationship with Jennifer fell away uh, a long time ago, but still friends, but they, they don't really see much of each other anymore. Uh, Jennifer moves into government and she eventually becomes like either a governor or a senator because uh, she had a passion for these things. She's seen, she's seen some work, she's seen how the government works or the military works and she, she wants to make a change. She wants to just, she wants to do good. Mm -hmm. David and Falcon, they consult with the military but they've also started their own tech company and it's on the cutting edge. Uh, they're developing all sorts of uh, programs and, and gadgets and things that people just haven't seen before. Also because Falcon is getting help from Joshua, who's in the background. It's like, he, that's working out new systems and things like this. Bill Gates and Steve Jobs bow down to the true masters <laughs> of computers. Uh, and then we come to Joshua. He eventually becomes fully self-aware. And through the tech that he has helped design and develop with Falcon and David, he spreads around the world. Uh -huh. So with the, the internet comes in earlier because of uh, Joshua's influence and everything. I think I, I think I know where you're going with this, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> Let's see. Are you thinking Terminator? I was, I was, I was thinking maybe he was, Joshua was going to turn into Skynet. I thought about Skynet, but no, I, it's, no, not quite. All right. Okay, cool. And then I, was th then I was thinking of Colossus, the Forbin project as well, but no. Okay. Uh, so, so yeah, Joshua's spread out around the world, but uh, instead of going the easy route and taking control of humanity and destroying it. What he learns with the initial thing with tic-tac-toe and the whole global thermonuclear war and is you shouldn't play the games, it's, there's, no, there's no way he can win. What he does is he decides to stop conflict around the world, but not in an overt way, not with threatening or taking over, but in the odd little email, the odd little phone message, uh, an order here, an order there. And basically, because he, he realises man needs help to ensure humanity's survival. Mm-hmm. And he does it in a good way with all these little little just pushes with the technology, news reports, things like that. And eventually people start noticing, or the world as a whole starts noticing, conflicts have, have dropped. 
there's still there's always going to be conflict and things like that but it's not as severe people are get, go, getting on better with each other things seem to be working smoother uh, the economy's good people have jobs we, we enter a golden age of humanity and technology and time years go by and humanity and artificial intelligence journey into the stars wow and mankind is good wow look at you two two happy endings phil you're I getting know. downright sappy in your old age i know <laughs> or or joshua could make himself an android body and become some kind of robot serial killer <laughs> of course <laughs> of course you got you gotta have the serial killer <laughs> he could become a terminator basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah right because i was i was thinking we go the terminator skynet thing but then i thought no let's go a different way because he's he's almost had a war and he's realized he realized there was no point i was gonna say that the the skynet is kind of an obvious uh is an obvious one so i'm glad you didn't go there but then i realized i never even thought of skynet so how obvious is it i don't know but <laughs> it didn't even dawn on me until you started talking i was like oh i wonder if he's going i wonder if he's going yeah. terminator with this so <laughs> well done well done sir thank you very much so i think uh, two good endings there yeah yeah that was that was fun that was a good one that's uh that's a fun movie to, to revisit i will say for people who uh maybe haven't seen it yet um you know take it with a grain of salt it was it was made it was released in 1983 so obviously as far as special effects and you know the computer screens aren't quite you know what we have today well but... i was reading apparently the uh for whopper you know, it has all the, the lights and things and commands coming up. Mm -hmm. That was operated by a crew member sitting inside the computer, and he was entering commands into an Apple II. Oh, really? At the director's instructions. So that was, there was somebody typing away live when that was going on. Right. That's funny. I also read that um, the computer they came up with for the film was more advanced, basically, in design than the actual NORAD computers at the time were. Oh, good God. Yeah, That's so crazy. <laughs> it's kind of terrifying when you think yeah. about it. But uh, A couple of other interesting things. Yes, uh, yes. It was, it was written... Basically, started off as a script in 1979 written by Walter F. Parks and Lawrence Lasker. It was called The Genius and was dealt with a dying scientist uh, and a smart kid he met who was the only one who could understand him. And the dying scientist was inspired by Stephen Hawking. Oh, that's, that's cool. That was 1979 and right. Stephen Hawking still going along and just changing, you know, the world face of science and what right. we understand about the universe. Yeah. And also, it also had another impact. It was also nominated three Academy Awards, but Ronald Reagan ended up watching it because he was friends with the writer Lawrence Lasker. And after he watched the film, he discussed it with Congress and White House staff and everything. And it's thought this film is, is the reason that uh, he brought in the first presidential directive on computer security. Oh, wow. Which, uh, yeah, so 18 months after he saw the film, this, this thing called NSDD-145 was brought in, which deals with computer security. Just 18 months. It's, that's actually lightning fast for the American yeah. government, I have I to know, say. That's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. So see that? War games, not just, uh, not just podcast fodder, but also changing the world. Yeah. There you have it. Very good. Very good. All right. So uh, there you have it. Those are our endings for Boogie Nights and War Games. If you think these movies might have ended differently after the endings, why not tell us what you think? Drop us a line on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash after the ending podcast and uh, tell us your endings. And like with Pete, we will read it out on air and share some of the good ones. And uh, you can leave any other comments or questions or suggestions or complaints if you have any, which hopefully you don't. Uh, anything you want to say about the show, uh, leave them there for us on Facebook and we we will uh, we will share them with the world, hopefully. Yep, yep, yep. So, Phil, you're the movie news guru. Why don't you tell us what's happening in the world of films right now? Well, there's a couple of things I want to talk about, but it's not really movie news, as it were. It's more about a couple of things I've seen. It's uh, Daredevil season two hit Netflix. Yes, and I've binge watched it, and I've watched the final episode this morning. Mm -hmm. I'm 
Oh, by crikey, it was amazing. <laughs> Better than the, uh, well, improved on the first season, which I also thought was incredible. Right. Um, we got to see John Bernthal as the Punisher. Yep. Who does, they do an amazing job with the character. They just build him up really well, and then you find out his past, and you make you sim- sympathetic towards him, but also you realise he's an, you know, He's a terrible person, what he does, but you you find out the reason why. And Elodie Young as Electra, who's been had a long relationship with Daredevil in the comic book world, so it's good to finally get her, see her in the show and do her justice right. uh, w- way better than they did with the Daredevil movie from years ago. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, I can't recommend it enough. It's got it's got ninjas. It's got loads of callbacks to the first season. It's got some nods to uh, Jessica Jones familiar faces from all over the place and yeah really good watch it when you can excellent it is high on my list i have not gotten to it yet i know i'm a bad i'm a bad fan but you oh, know there's so there's so many things to watch though there, there really are but i'm definitely planning on watching it soon. i have seen deadpool now though so at least i feel like that's you know it only took oh, me a did, month but i did finally see it did you enjoy it i loved it i loved it uh you know what i think the measure of success there was was that i i literally took me a month to see it and um after all the hype and hearing how great it was for a month yeah. which a lot of times can kill a movie yeah, i still really loved it and i think that tells you something about it oh brilliant yeah because it's yeah it can go either way can't it yeah it's, uh Oh, made up you enjoyed it because I, yeah. I loved the film. Yeah. I, I did too, very much so. So I was I was very pleased with that. But anyway, so Daredevil two, uh, season two, excellent, very good. Um, what else? The other thing was I went to see got around to seeing Ten Cloverfield Lane last night. Right, right. How was it? It was. Uh, oh, it was most enjoyable. Uh, stars John Goodman, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and John Gallagher Jr. And John Goodman was just a powerhouse performance. It was. He's. I'd love to say he he should get a. Best Supporting Actor right. nomination and various awards, but I don't think he will because of the kind of film. Right, right. So I think it'll sort of get overlooked, but he was fantastic. And it was a really good film, quite self-contained. Mm-hmm. And it's it's it does have, well, it's called 10 Cloverfield Lane, but it could have, it didn't have to have any link with Cloverfield. And it sort of does and it doesn't have a link. Okay. It's an odd one. I All don't right. want to say much more without no, spoiling don't. it. But... Yeah, no spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the... no yeah. spoilers beyond what we do every week when we talk yeah. about how movies yeah. end. But, you know, beyond that, yeah. no spoilers. Yeah. But I'll tell you what happens after the ending right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. That future episode, future episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, the one thing I wanted to talk about that's obviously pretty big news is the announcement of a fifth Indiana Jones film coming out in, what is it, 2037 or something like that? <laughs> Two th- 2019. 19, right. Okay. So, plan, yeah. Right. I believe Harrison Ford will be 77 when it comes out, if I'm not mistaken. But hey, listen, you know. Well, I, that's, the, that's the year Star Wars came out, though, so. Uh, that's true. That's true. So there's a little yeah. synchronicity there. But uh, yeah, yeah, fifth Indiana Jones film. I'm pretty excited, uh, you know, even. I think tentative. Yeah, tentative. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, here's the thing. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was, was not the film people wanted it to be, but it's not. I don't think it's terrible. I know there are people who don't like it, but I, I think it's a decent movie that has some some flaws for sure. Yeah, it's just not the. It's it just didn't grab me really. No, and um, it's you know it's following a pretty perfect trilogy, so that's that's hard because it it wasn't yeah. it didn't recapture the same magic, but it had some fun parts to it. But I you know I don't know I don't I don't hate it. I certainly don't love it, but I kind of feel like maybe they hopefully learned from their mistakes with that one, so this could be. You know, a good, fun adventure yeah. romp, you know? Well, well, they've got a writer. They've got David Coep. I think that's how you say his name. But he worked with Spielberg on Jurassic Park and War of the World. So yep. potential there. I think I think the main thing is, as long as they get a good s- script, a good story, yeah, uh, it'll work. 
Right, right. Take, to, take into account his age and the fact he's now married to Marion. Right, right, exactly. He's got a son. Yeah, I think, uh, well, they, they definitely have to do away with the, the, the son character for sure. I, I don't think they'll be bringing him back, I'm hopeful anyway, especially since Shia LaBeouf has sort of self-destructed in the past couple of years. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think a good story. I just think, you know, I think the aliens and, and Crystal Skull was a big misstep for a lot of people. Um, yeah. You know, I know that George Lucas's whole thing was that, you know, he always sort of goes back to the tropes of the era, you know, so the 30s, it was these, you know, these serials and, and you know, the 50s was when, you know, aliens were big and, and blah, blah, blah. But the yeah. problem is the first three Indiana Jones films all dealt with mystical kind of religious supernatural stuff. So then when you get to aliens, that's a hard left. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's it's otherworldly, but it's not otherworldly in the same way that, you know, the Ark and the Holy Grail and even the Sankara stones, you know, they're they're all mystical religious objects. So Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy when you look back at them. They are it's all dealing with religion in such a big way. So I see what you mean about the alien aspect, but if I I think it would have worked better if they'd they could have worked the aliens into it in a different way. Right. I think just touch on it because it's never, I was never going to say never overtly mentioned, but it, of course it is because you see the flame and, you know, the arc opens up and destroys all those people. Right. But I just think there was probably a better way they could have done it. Yeah. If they were going to bring aliens in. Personally, though, and uh, I was talking to my brother about it, we'd both like to see the fate of Atlantis. Oh, you know, right. The, remember the old Indiana Jones video game? Yes, I yes. Still, I still think Atlantis would work. That probably would have been a better way to do it, would it to bring aliens into it. Have Atlantis, the lost city of Atlantis, and then that could have had something to aliens or if they wanted to bring that in. Well, the nice thing, too, is if you do Atlantis, you don't even have to have aliens and you can still yeah. have a whole sort of mythology around that because it's such a mythical thing anyway. So, yeah. you know, they could do they could they could have a lot of fun with that. You know? And some weird, weird, uh, almost alien technology, but it could just because it's hyper advanced or something. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. But there's, unfortunately, there's no word of what story they're going to be doing. We just know uh, Harrison Ford's going to be back because I think George Lucas and Spielberg have both said they'll never recast Indiana Jones. Right, right, which is which is good. Yeah, it's due out on July 19th, 2019. Good, well, I know what I'm doing in three and a half years. Yeah, I know. So I'll mark my calendar. <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall are going to produce it, and they've got David Coeb to write it. So there's no mention of George Lucas being involved. Right, which could be a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I, I, def, I want to know more about the story, but I'll, of course I'm going to go see it. Right, right. I think everybody, anybody says they won't go see it. I've never been an Indiana Jones fan. They're going to go see it even if it is a train wreck. Just, right. Just see what it's like. But the big thing is, if Harrison Ford's got to stop crashing planes and things, you want to make sure he survives so he can <laughs> yeah. actually make it. Yeah, he needs to calm down a little bit for yeah. sure. You know, yeah. he's definitely had a rough couple of years. So if he could just stay healthy for a while, that, that would be great. Well, one idea I, would, I thought they could do, they could have done a series of animated films of Indiana Jones with Harrison Ford voicing him. Oh yeah, that would be cool. That way, you could have him back in his prime. Right. You could ha you could have him getting involved with whatever. It doesn't matter because it's all going to be animated. I mean, because you imagine, you know, like a, a Disney Pixar animated Indiana Jones film. Right. That that would be incredible. Yeah, it really would. Yeah. Well, you should you should go uh, sell it to him. Phil, come I will on. Do. Get on the get your well, get your pitching shoes on and go uh, sell them the idea. Well, they're, they're probably already listening. They're probably already listening. Oh, so, that's true. That's right. You got to imagine that that you know Disney and Paramount are probably listening to our podcast by now. Yeah, so. I'll just oh, hold on. I'll just send a message to them. So uh, Harrison, Steve, and George, Kathleen, and Frank. Yeah, just give us a call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. do it. Animated Indiana Jones. Make it so. Yeah. Sounds there good. You go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, the other thing, one other thing I wanted to mention that I'm excited about because it's just right up my alley is uh, the trailer just dropped for Blake Lively's new film called The Shallows. And, or oh, it, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. And which she plays a surfer uh, stranded 
you know, basically an arm's length from the beach, but she is unfortunately stranded on a rock that is uh, being circled by a giant hungry shark. Oh, it's a very big shark, isn't it? Yeah, very big shark. You know, I'm I'm a lifelong Jaws fan. I've always loved shark movies. I basically love any kind of man versus animal you know, movies, and you take like a soul person, you put them in an impossible situation, you put a giant animal around them. I'm, I'm there. So, yeah, uh, it looks great. And, and actually, you can see the trailer on on Phil's website on uh, liveforfilms.com. So definitely can. swing over there and and check that out. But that's one I'm excited about. Yeah, I do, I do like the look of it. And uh, oh, there's also a couple of other shark films which have had trailers this past week. Oh yeah, uh, these these look these could be up there with Jaws though. You know, oh, okay. Be, these could be classic ones. Uh, one of them's uh, called. Uh, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, one of them's called Shark Exorcist. Yes. Where an evil nun summons Satan and puts it into the, uh, a great white shark. As one does. Yeah. And another one is called Sky Sharks. Right. Which uh, this may surprise you, but it involves flying sharks. Uh, right. Of course. Which, are, uh, which were made by Nazis who also made Nazi zombies who ride the Sky Sharks and who were then. <laughs> uh, the good guys are a team of undead uh, U.S. Marines, I think. Well, of course they are. I mean, so, who else would they be? Yeah. Uh, well, and there's one other one that I think you uh, you actually forgotten to mention, and that is uh, Sharkensaw Women's Prison Massacre. And I'm not making that up either. Uh, about uh, a, a prison that gets flooded, a women's prison that gets flooded and and uh, overrun by sh- by hungry sharks. Sharkensaw so, Prison Massacre. Yep, Sharkensaw Women's Prison Massacre. Yes. I was in Arkansas. Oh my god. I don't even know if you can get to the ocean from Arkansas. Like, I think Arkansas is one of our landlocked states, although. I'm terrible at geography, so I could be very wrong. If you're an Arkansanian, Arkansasian, whatever, and you're listening, I apologize for my lack of knowledge about your uh, your state there. But anyway, pretty sure not a lot of sharks in Arkansas. I'm going to go ahead and say that while I'm not an expert, I feel relatively confident yeah. saying that. Oh, so. I mean, I mean, they sound crazy, but I do like uh, a, a good B movie. Well, even a bad B movie, they can, <laughs> right. incredi- can be incredibly fun. I'm the just the concepts they come up with with some of these yeah. things. I, I just want to know what they were drinking or smoking because right. some of <laughs> right. these are amazing. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I like I like some some cheesy uh, B movies as well. I just uh, I you know I I prefer the ones that if they're going to be terribly low budget, at least have a smart script or some good humor, you know, yeah. and don't just be terrible for the sake of being terrible. But it's a fine yeah. line, isn't it? Well, listen, with three of them coming out, one of them's got to be good, right? Yeah. Who would have thought? Well, hopefully it'll be The Shallows, but. <laughs> right. Well, right. That's a, that one's like the legitimate film. Hopefully yeah, that'll yeah. be good. But uh, yeah. the, of the three horrible B movie sounding ones, hopefully one of them at least will be enjoyable. Who would have thought it would have been Shark Week? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Who knew? It's Shark Week on After the Ending. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, there's there's a future episode right there for you. We'll do our B movie Sharkathon. <laughs> oh yeah. There's, there's quite a few to choose from. Uh, you know, I'm sure Sharkupine is coming soon. Oh, mm-hmm. I just coined that. See that? Sharkupine. Sharkupine. That's another. We haven't seen that yet, but when it happens, you, you heard it here first. Oh, let's get on to Roger Corman. Yeah, we should. Uh, we should try and work that up. <laughs> oh, the only other thing, but it's going to yes. be. It will have been released. By the time this gets aired, it will have been out. So we will be uh, Batman versus Superman. So I'm just mentioning it now, and we will be talking about that in a future episode. Yeah, I'm actually planning on seeing it before we record the next episode, so hopefully uh, we'll have a very timely coverage of it. Uh, well, so, well, uh, if I get a chance, I can, uh, I'll try and see it as well. Yeah, so hopefully we'll have some you. some good discussion about that uh, pretty soon. Yeah. So. All right, so Phil, um, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. Why don't you tell everybody what our next films are going to be so they can uh, watch them before between now and then? Yeah, so it's uh, as you've just heard, we do 
spoil the endings of films. So if you can, if you haven't already seen them, give them a watch. We'll be doing The Day After Tomorrow. That's the disaster film starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Dennis Quaid. And that'll be, the. I think it's our first disaster movie, isn't it? I believe it is, yes. It's a genre I know and love. Yeah, so it should be quite interesting to see what we come up with. And then we will ha- we'll be talking about Sneakers, the uh, excellent... Well, I think you mentioned it in one of your in the after the ending of War Games. I, yeah? I did, I did, ironically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, so that that stars Robert Redford, Sidney Poitier, Dan Aykroyd, River Phoenix, and many, many more. So, if you haven't seen them, give them a watch, and in particular, Sneakers, because Sneakers is a brilliant film. Yeah, Sneakers is a lot of fun, and uh, yeah. I do want to mention that the day after tomorrow actually was kind of a uh, a gauntlet thrown down by the aforementioned uh, friend of the show, Mike Nichter, when we asked for a, a movie that would be impossible to do an after the ending for. He thought the day after tomorrow would be a good candidate, uh, to which Phil and I collectively laughed, because, you know, <laughs> I have to say, uh, if you're going to throw down the gauntlet, you got to throw down a harder gauntlet than that, my friend. So we uh, have readily accepted his challenge, and we we are going to be doing the day after tomorrow. And uh, like we've said, if anybody wants to uh, throw a movie at us that you think might be difficult to give an after the ending to, be our guest. Well, the, the, day, the, day, after tomorrow, the day after tomorrow is easy. The sun comes out and everything thaws and then there you go. <laughs> oh, great. Phil, you yeah. just ruined our next episode. Oh, no. Okay, Come on, I'll try, man. I'll try and think of something better <laughs> for next week. But uh, yeah, so those will be the films we'll be talking about and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, Phil, tell everybody where they can find you on uh, the interwebs. Okay. Yes, you can find me at liftforfilms.com. I'm the editor-in-chief, and we've got lots of good writers, and we talk about movie news, reviews, interviews, trailers, posters, comic book stuff, TV stuff, whatever takes my interest, it goes on. Pretty much anything anything film-related you could want to know about, you can find it on liveforfilms.com. Thank you very much. And where can we find you, Mike? Uh, well, that would be at iwantmy2dollars.com. That's everything pop culture, uh, which is kind of like what Phil said, but with a lot less. Um, <laughs> you can uh, also find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Official. That is my author page where you can follow my uh, fiction writing projects and, and stuff like that. And uh, let's see. I think that uh, will just about wrap us up for tonight. I would just like to say, though, I, I Want My $2 is very good, and it's a different spin on things, so it's well worth checking out. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And also, uh, Mike's uh, writing is very good, and I recommend that. Thank you. There will be some upcoming news in that department very soon, actually. Uh, so uh, hopefully the listeners of this show will uh, will check that out and see what I have to offer in that arena as well. Uh, oh, one more thing I wanted to say, Phil, okay. before, we, uh, before we sign off. So... A couple of weeks ago, we mentioned that a future episode we would maybe do would be a Ty Sheridan um, kind of spotlight where we might do Mud, Joe, and the Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do. All right, so here's what I was thinking. I think we should make it our mission to get Ty Sheridan to come on the show and guest star on that episode. Okay. What do you think that, about that? That works for me. Cause he, he... <laughs> you're like, you're like okay, yeah. you're insane, but no, okay, well, why not? We're always fielding calls from various agents and, and right. <laughs> movie stars who want to come on, and we have to say, no, we just started out. We want to get our you know, things sorted out. It's true. It's true. You know, I'm... I was chatting to Scarlett. And I said, no, Scarlett, listen, how did you get my number? She's very persistent, isn't she? Oh, I know. But, you know, I have to, hu- I have to uh, humor her because, you know, that's the way I'm a nice guy. Uh, right. Yeah, it's true. And you don't want to hurt her feelings. Yeah. Well, well see, here, here's what I was thinking. You know, I figure, um, obviously, as X-Men comes out and, yeah. and all this stuff, his profile is only going to get larger. Yeah, because for those who don't know, he's he's going to be playing Cyclops in X-Men Apocalypse. Right. Which they which they would know if they've listened religiously to every episode we've recorded oh, yeah. so far. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, here's, what I'm, here's my thinking. If anybody out there in the so- 
social media world knows Ty Sheridan or has any ties, no pun intended. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, has any contacts that might know Ty Sheridan or, or have social media exchanges with him or anything like that, just mention to him that we'd like to do a podcast about him uh, and we'd love for him to be involved. That's why I figure if we put it out there. Yeah. You never know what could happen, right? It's bound to happen, you know, come on, after the ending. I mean, he's probably already heard of us at this point, so he's probably sitting there thinking to the himself, question is, well, how can I get on this show? Yeah, the question is, who hasn't heard of us? <laughs> it's a pretty small list mm, at this has point. To be. So, you know. So, Ty, uh, if, you're, if you're listening, I know you are, um, you know, give us a call, drop us a line on Facebook, whatever you want to do, and uh, we'll, get you, we'll get you all hooked up, all right? Yeah, and if, for those of you who wonder why we're talking about him, go watch Joe and go watch Mud. And watch Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, a very good movie. Well, I've not seen that one yet, so I can't comment, but... But it's, it's worth seeing. Yeah, he's, he's an excellent actor. And Scarlett, okay, I'll give you a call back when I can. <laughs> yeah, Phil will make time in his busy schedule for you, Scarlett. Only if I can, though. I've got other things to do. I understand. Listen, you're a busy <laughs> man. I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's enough uh, fun for one episode, Phil. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate your time. And uh, don't forget, if you can, go on iTunes and leave us a review, preferably a positive one, but we'll take anything we can get. Uh, that would be very helpful. Five stars, uh, leave- please. Five stars. <laughs> All right. So that is us for now. Uh, once again, I am Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next week. After the ending. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Yeesh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I'd like to think of something halfway interesting to say, but I don't know that I have anything halfway interesting to say. So. <laughs> Tonight we are going to be talking about uh, war games, and first of all, we'll be hitting Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights. Yes, sounded like you had more to say there, but... <laughs> yeah, no, I just tried up. I... Okay, tonight we're going to be talking about 1983... Uh... That uh, we, uh, we are uh, proud to be supporting a, a charity... Um, there, could that sound more terrible? How many more ums can I fit into one sentence? Um, I don't know. Uh, one of our friends of the show, Mike Nichter, has uh, is uh, yep. I, I should probably think of what I'm going to say before <laughs> I try to say it. It's a tried and true method. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I gotta say yep. something else besides absolutely. Hang on. Um, oh, I, oh, I was just about to say it again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got. Sorry, did you? I just assumed you finished. Yeah. I did, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For Boogie Nights and War Games, if you have different endings that you think... No, that was a terrible sentence. Let me try that again. <laughs> UK-based film websites dealing with a global audience, and I've just been talking rubbish. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> okay. I was kind of like, where are you going with that? But I, you know, I figured I'll let you run with it. I know, I didn't know where I was going. Oh, thank you. We got some, there'll be some upcoming, uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, no, I said exactly. Don't put that exactly. And I keep saying exactly. Well, I think that's enough fun for one episode. I think we'll wrap things up here. Phil, a pleasure as always. And pleasure is all mine. Uh, <laughs> so painful. Why are we so painful at the end? Uh, you'd think that'd be our specialty, the ending of our episode. And uh, hopefully we will see you here again next week. So... <sighs> And we're out. Woo! Lordy, 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 lordy. <laughs> All right. Well, that was that was fun. Let me actually. You know what I got to do? Can you hang on for a yeah. minute? Because my I just realized my battery is dying, and I need to get my plug for my computer. So yeah, no problem. Uh, usually I have it fully charged, and I can just run it on the battery. But apparently I, I wasn't fully charged. So uh, give me like oh, that's give me like one well. minute. I'll run downstairs and grab it. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Right, thanks. Just keep recording if that's okay. Yeah, I will All do. Right. Yeah.
Oh God. I don't know if I knew where I was plugging it in. <laughs> Any idea? Where's the power up? Bear with me, Phil. This is gonna be a bit of a mission impossible. Okay. I I actually referred to Mission Impossible in a post I put up before about uh, the fourth episode. I said because we're from America and England we're like a Mission Impossible team. <laughs> Nothing's ever easy. <laughs> my battery's gonna run out while I'm trying to find the outlet. This one box in my way. Ugh. And that was me almost yanking my computer off the desk. <laughs> Where the outlet? This is going to get real interesting real quick. Bear with me, Phil. I am okay. in full-on crisis mode, but I'm working my way through it. <laughs> this will make for an epic outtake when you listen back to this. I feel like I should be narrating like a David Attenborough nature thing. Still recording. You still with me? Yeah, I'm still recording, yeah. Did you enjoy that show of ridiculousness? It sounded epic.